One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We have reached the end of yet another momentous week in the Independent Republic, ladies and gentlemen, and there has been plenty to debate. The idiocy of certain politicians over the return to Parliament, the madness of crowds and the violence against the police by the Black Lives Matter thugs, the new policy of wearing a mask on public transport, the return to work for thousands of people and the opening of primary schools after two months. All of that... I kid you not, has happened since Monday. I know it's easy to forget that things move along rather swiftly uh, in the current coronavirus pandemic scenario, but you really sometimes have to take a step back to realise just how much is going on, just how quickly things are happening, and just how momentous these times actually are. Yes, people, we are in the summer month of June, and how do we know? It's very cloudy, and it's very rainy, and it's very windy, and it's not very warm. This weekend, there are two more planned protests against the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, described yesterday by the head of the police union in Minneapolis as a man with a violent criminal history. He's, of course, getting terribly criticised for speaking the truth because that's what the truth is. And today, there is yet another planned event in Trafalgar Square. Meanwhile, all we hear from the office of the Mayor, Sadiq Khan, is how we must all follow the rules, wear masks and act with caution. Great, isn't it? How exactly do those instructions fit in with what we saw this week, both on Sunday and on Wednesday, as far as these demonstrations are concerned? Tell us what your plans are, tell us what you're seeing, and tell us what you're hearing as well. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, Brendan O'Neill joins us with his take on those protesters marauding around London without any regard for their own safety or indeed for our safety. And Kevin O'Sullivan is here to talk us through what he's doing on his big show tomorrow, right here on Talk Radio at 10 o'clock. And because it's Friday, we will have another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards with producer Malta Malagon. 0344 499 1000. For our homeschooling section today, something a little bit special. I'll be performing a bit of magic not for the first time and as ever we want your calls because we need your voices on this radio show and on this radio station because we are the home of common sense we are the voice of the people and we are the place where you get your voice heard we care what you think and we want to know what you think and we don't want to tell you what to think either 0344 499 1000 you're listening to me mike graham right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet it is of course talk radio mid-morning with mike graham talk radio 
Don't forget, of course, we are live streaming on uh, YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter. And more and more of you are joining in uh, the great idea of actually watching the show uh, as well as listening to it. And I thank you very much for that. And I'm very grateful uh, for all of the extra listeners that we are getting every single day of every single week. We are the fastest growing radio station on the planet. And there's a very good reason for that, because we do the stuff that nobody else does. We tell you what is going on. We don't tell you what to think. Let's talk to Nick Dubois, former Tory MP, uh, former special advisor, of course, to Dominic Raab, and author uh, of Confessions of a Recovering MP as well. Nick, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Uh, good morning to you, Mike. Hope you're well. Yes, absolutely, I am. And it's been quite a week. You know, when you actually sort of count back all of the things that have happened, um, and maybe it's been a busier week than, than many, but from the start of, uh, of Monday where schools opened much against the odds, where we were told that wouldn't happen because the unions were against it, that seemed to go well. Uh, we've now got the Welsh uh, Assembly saying we're going to open schools uh, for everyone, basically, come uh, the last four weeks of, the, of this term. Uh, we've had the masks being introduced yesterday by Grant Shapps on public transport. We've had Parliament coming back. We've had all sorts of things going on. What have you made of it all? Well, and just throw into that the little matter of Hong Kong, and you've got pretty much one of the busiest weeks yes. I can remember since the heyday of Brexit. Well, exactly uh, right. Where none, where, yeah, uh, but nothing actually happened in the heyday of Brexit. I mean, we had weeks and weeks <laughs> and weeks of just talking uh, where nothing actually went on. But it's been a remarkable few uh, days, I think, because not only have we seen the return to Parliament uh, of what is a, a reasonable amount of normalcy, but I, I'm assuming you will agree with me. Uh, I'm, I'm with Jacob Rees-Mogg here, where you say, look, you can't possibly ask people to go back to work if you're you're not going to do it yourself. It, uh, and, and funny enough, I'm beginning to think I might be in a minority here because mm. I do think that it would have set a terrible example if MPs had not gone back to work asking teachers and others uh, to go back to work, not to mention those fantastic people on the front line in all sorts of uh, places. Right. So I am I'm absolutely convinced it was the right thing to go back. But further, I think it's also got a job to do. Those MPs there, you know, you can't really... Uh, challenge the executive, get your constituents' points over if you are remote. It's the bottom line. It just doesn't doesn't work as effectively. So it seems to me that buying a few hiccups, there's no reason why um, uh, MPs cannot function uh, as other people are doing with changes in their workplace. And so they should. Look, they've done some sensible things, Mike. They've, they've, they've now made sure that vulnerable uh, people, as you would expect in any workplace, can vote remotely so yes. that they're not exposed to difficulties. And frankly, the furor over it, what I thought was, was an extraordinary distraction for basically saying, uh, well, put it this way. Can you imagine if MPs said, well, we're not going back to work if it's safe? Imagine the furor. I know. Absolutely ridiculous. And Keir Starmer, of course, made uh, a bit of a blunder this week when he appeared on Prime Minister's Questions for the first time since the recess and for the first time since Parliament properly went back. And when he sort of started haranguing Boris Johnson and saying, you know, I wrote you a letter. Uh, he's written him another one today, by the way. I wrote you a letter and you never answered it. Uh, to which Boris said, well, I rang you. <laughs> it was kind of a bizarre well, moment where you thought, how stupid can you be to walk into that kind of trap? Well, it, it was quite interesting because the whole dynamics of Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson, in a way, Keir Starmer's benefited from the fact Parliament has not been there in full force, right. where you're used to the huge gangs of MPs roaring um, their leaders on during, during PMQs. Mm. And he had started to develop this reputation for being quite forensic, quite detailed. And he sort of abandoned that and his reputation when he, when, when he frankly tried to make something out of an issue uh, over this letter. Personally, 
I think that that was an impromptu thing from him that he just uh, suddenly thought about without thinking it through. Yes. And he walked, he walked into to, to, to a stupid trap there, which was unnecessary. Um, but have you noticed that PMQs, whenever a new leader of the opposition, and indeed a new prime minister, come to the fore, they all talk about how they want to change the tone and yes. be consensus. Well, I tell you what, it's getting back to politics as usual there. It's not necessarily a bad thing to have... Um, them having a bit of a ding-dong because people, you know, they expect them to be challenged. But I don't think we're going to see much more of this rather sort of what people might regard as a more mature approach to PMQs. Personally, I think, frankly, that half hour is is theatre. I think it can address some big issues, but it's there for a number of reasons and it's going to go back to what it's always been, which is confrontational. And frankly, it's the only time in Parliament it really ever gets like that and let's let's just run with it. Well, exactly right. And I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think a lot of people actually like it for that very reason. And this idea that we should have less confrontational politics, like, for example, uh, they have supposedly in the Scottish Parliament, that doesn't work either because even though they set it up uh, as a sort of a semicircle so that it's not mm. one side against the other. They're still pretty horrible to one another. The only place where you certainly wouldn't want to take any lessons from, and that's the European Union, you know, their chamber is like a museum, um, but people are not actually afforded any kind of rights to speak for more than about 25 seconds before they get cut off by the speaker. Um, and they all vote in silence. I mean, it's awful. Uh- and worse than that, Mike, you can't actually intervene and challenge someone. No. If you actually ever watch a debate in our parliament, you can intervene and challenge. Do you know the other striking thing about the European Parliament? You can't, as a member of the European Parliament, introduce a law. Mm. You can't actually bring a law. You have to only amend laws that are sent you down from the great and the good in the yes. Brussels hierarchy, which kind of reminds us why it's pretty pointless. <laughs> yes, a, quite. And today, of course, I think at midday, Michel Barnier is going to get up and make a statement uh, about mm. the status at the moment of the Brexit talks. You know, what's your view on how that's going? Because clearly there are many other things going on, but the Brexit talks go on nevertheless. I mean, my, my take on it has been so far, well, if they want to try and play hardball and they want to try and get difficult and they want to start making demands, then we should just walk away, shouldn't we? Well, look, I, th- I think what you're actually seeing is, um, for, for unlike in those withdrawal agreement talks, Mike, you're actually seeing the European Union on the defensive here, yeah. which is why... And, and isn't it interesting that they keep coming back to the same... It's almost like they're fighting the old war of Mm. the withdrawal agreement. You hear the same things being said. The clock is ticking. I couldn't believe that when I heard that last time uh, coming out from Michelle. I thought they really are stuck for new ideas how to move this along. And And the point is, the timetable says... By June, essentially, they should have sorted out things like fisheries, which are politically really toxic on yes. both sides of the channel. They have not been able to do that. But the truth of the matter is the so-called government bandwidth is not there either on the side of the European Union or even here, truthfully, mm. um, in the UK to have been able to try and uh, deal with these issues. Now, my view is a little more nuanced because I, I agree with the whole principle of setting a timeline on these talks yeah. that doesn't get dragged out. I have one slight worry, and I, I join another very good former special advisor who was actually a special advisor first to David Davis, and then he went into number 10, mm. where he's saying, actually, whether we have a deal or no deal uh, by the end of the year. What might make sense for British business 
is that you have what is called an implementation period. Mm. So they can adjust only three months, maybe four months, because they can adjust to whatever is agreed or not agreed. Now, why is that important, Mike? Because businesses is on its knees. Many of the supply chains have been disrupted. Many of them are barely surviving. And actually, what they could do with is just been having three or four months, in my opinion, of not changing anything for a very small period so that as we come out of COVID, that they can, the talks are over, the talks are done. We know whether we're coming out or we've got, uh, sorry, we know whether we're on world trade talks or we are, um, uh, or, or we've struck a deal, mm. but they're going to need those extra three or four months. That is not the same as extending the transition period. No, which obviously, which obviously there are many people uh, who are against Brexit who would like to see that happen, and I think that's the clue. Yeah. You know, if you're asking for a, an extension of the transition period, basically you're a Remainer, uh, and you should be outed as such, because that's what uh, we understand the Lib Dems, Ed Davey to be, it's what we understand uh, Michelle Barnier to be. You know, if they had their way, they'd just keep this going ad infinitum, so that well, nothing would ever actually change. But, but, the bottom line is we're out. You right. know, the law is out. We are not members of the European Union. What they would like to do, no doubt, is drag on transition indefinitely so we all forget about it and they hope one day we'll be able to slip back in mm. quietly. Just, just pie in the sky, absolute yeah. nonsense. And frankly, it's very telling. Ed Davey, because you know what, Mike? I'm not sure if everyone's noticed but there's a Lib Dem leadership contest going on amongst the... I've heard this. Or so MPs so far, I've there. seen no evidence of it, however. <laughs> no. Now, one of the... Can, I think, actually, most of them are standing for the leadership amongst themselves, right. from what I can tell. But Ed Davey, who I suspect will win the contest, mm. uh, even he's basically criticised their uh, general election position, mm. which was, uh, well, we're not even going to have a referendum. We're staying in the EU. Right. He's now trying to move the Lib Dems away from what was a ridiculous position. Now, of course, no one would have noticed because they are, in political terms, an utter irrelevance. Mm. Oh, totally, yeah. They managed to completely write themselves off uh, before the election by talking about how Joe Swinson was going to be the next leader uh, of the country, for heaven's sake. But what do you think the battleground is going to be next week, Nick? Because as we move through uh, the weekend, obviously the focus is going to be an awful lot on London. Uh, There may or may not be more violent demonstrations uh, over the death uh, of the the, the black man in in, in Minnesota. Minneapolis. Um, and of course, we are seeing nothing coming from the office of Mayor Sadiq Khan, aside from his advice that everybody should remain cautious and follow the rules, while at the same time allowing loads of people to demonstrate publicly and attack the police. But I'm wondering if the quarantine thing is going to become big again next week, because we just saw Willie Walsh speaking earlier this morning, mm. talking about how there may be a legal challenge made by British Airways to the quarantine rule. A lot of uh, MPs against it, even though Priti Patel says mm. it needs to be done. Um, What do you think about that? Well, I think where you've got to now is I think Priti Patel is going to oversee the introduction of this on Monday, come hell or high water. But within days, remember, it has to be reviewed after three weeks, which would take us to the 29th of June. Yeah. All right. Most lockdown and most travel is anticipated to, to be coming in June the 3rd onwards, mm. when they would, uh, if all things say, remain equal. Or July the 3rd onwards, will, uh, July the 3rd onwards, yeah. yes. So my guess is the government will be rowing back very, very quickly 
from literally the day they introduce it. Yes. So we've already know there's a list of exemptions to people who who would not have to follow the rules. Yeah. I fully expect to see that uh, expanded. I fully expect to see air bridges coming in, and frankly, within three weeks, unless because of the irresponsibility of people not maintaining social distancing, we do see a significant spike in infections, then I think you will see this policy will have gone within three weeks. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. But we will have to now wait because of what we've seen this week, yeah. both on Sunday and on Wednesday, with these ridiculous demonstrations. I think we will have to wait for two weeks. I mean, I was saying to somebody earlier on today uh, that basically um, the, the, the negative testing of Alok Sharma is actually great news, isn't it? Because it, had he tested positive, there were going to be all sorts of reasons why Parliament might have had to be locked down, why it might have had to be deep cleaned, why it might have had to be, uh, you know, put down on uh, sort of quarantine again. So, so in many ways, that is a bit of a relief. Yeah, I mean, everyone was rushing to judgment as usual um, uh, about Alex Sharma, and are busy now rowing back um, uh, uh, faster than you can imagine. Mm. But to go to your main point, Mike, uh, the figures to watch for are the infection rates. Obviously, they they came well below two thousand. Uh, new infections a day. Now, remember, that will sound a lot to people, but actually in the great scheme of things and the fact that we are now the leading European country and third highest in the world for carrying out testing, yeah. uh, they are still on a downward curve. They dropped to about 1,500. Then they went up a bit for two days running. People are going to be politicians particularly, but, but obviously um, the health services as well are going to be looking closely to see if there is a trend of a re-increase in that. Because remember, it's infections that come first if we fail to carry out the social distancing successfully, and then it's um, people going into hospital, and then people on ventilators, and sadly people who've died. So far, all the trends are down, but there's no question, not coming down quite as fast as people would like. Is that to do with essentially people irresponsibly not social distancing? And I would, I, I argue that we are at great risk. And however strong the passions are over the death of um, uh, George Floyd, um, however, however um, necessary it is to draw attention to the foul thing that went on there and the issues, uh, I don't think we can have one rule for some and one rule for others. And that if people are going to demonstrate, then surely we should go out of our way to make sure that they can demonstrate responsibly yes. with social distancing. Well, it makes a mockery of one of the quarantine rules, and it also makes a mockery of all the other ridiculous rules that say that, you know, you can't stay overnight in somebody's house, you can't go and visit anybody for longer uh, than a period of one day, and then you have to go home again, you know, you can't meet up with people in groups of more than six. I mean, you know, if that's going to be absolutely followed, and if that's going to be how we all behave, then we can't have all these other bozos running about uh, in by the thousands you know, or group hugging. I mean, it makes it makes it. It's just ridiculous. Well, it, it, it completely defies logic. Look, I get I get mildly irritated if when I'm out on my uh, government Is that all? exercise walks. Well, when I'm out on my government so, and yeah. a jogger passes by me and comes far too close. Yeah. And and and, and you know why on earth a, 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 you know that happens is just a, a sort of a mild irritation for me. But to see people gathering in their thousands. Yeah. Never mind the, the few that went on a violent rampage, but right. gathering in their thousands. Right. Now, many of them, uh, I've, heard, I've heard the argument made 
that they are taking they are taking they're making a sacrifice and a risk because the issue is so important. Well, of course, the issue is hugely important, but it's also putting other people at risk, other lives at risk through this. And all I'm saying is I think we have to try and understand just as the same people who criticised Dominic Cummings should be, be should be really saying, look, there is one rule for there's one rule for all here. Exactly. So respect it, because well, you're saving lives and your own life. Yeah, exactly right. It's not one rule for whoever fancies following it. It's one rule for everyone. Nick, great call. Thank you very much indeed. Nick Dubois uh, talking to us there uh, as the former special advisor to Dominic Raab, former Conservative MP, of course. He gets mildly irritated. Well, he's not the only one, right? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk now, though, uh, to David Ells, writer at Lonely Planet, because uh, amidst all the stories of quarantining, amidst all the stories of trying to restart the tourism business, it looks as though uh, sometime soon, as early possibly as next month, uh, Airbnb properties, holiday lets and all sorts of other places could reopen, uh, according to uh, various ministers, including Oliver Dowd and the Culture Secretary. Let's find out from David uh, what he's what he's hearing. David, a very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. Um, obviously, holiday lets and Airbnbs are a very big part of the uh, the tourism business these days. I presume this would be ahead of hotels opening. Is that what you're hearing? I would. Well, we, there's so much going on at the moment, and and the advice that that I'm giving to anybody who wants to listen is it really is day by day. Mm. We, we've got so many different factors going into play here. We've got our own government's recommendations. We've got foreign governments. And and hotel uh, and tourism industries trying to attract us or not, uh, we've got the UK industry saying we might open, but we're not sure when. And on top of that, we've got the scientific advice that you've just mentioned to say we still can't mix. So it really is day by day at the moment. We just don't know what's going to happen next week, let alone come the summer holidays. Yeah, right. So, I mean, if you're the owner, perhaps, of a, a property that is a holiday let or or you are uh, one of those people that lets out your own property to Airbnb, what are you supposed to do on, on this day today? Nothing, <laughs> presumably. Yeah, yeah, really. No, we've got to sit tight. Now, what we are hearing is that for some of the UK uh, holiday destinations in the autumn, we are hearing that bookings are coming back in. I don't, well, we know they're not they're not up to what they were this time last year. Right. But we're hearing that what people might be doing, and this is anecdotal, we're only hearing this from people such as Butlins or, or Merlin, the, the people that run the, the various theme parks. What we're hearing is bookings are coming in again for the autumn, now, if that is true, what it sounds like is us, the British public, we're deciding, you know what, I'm just going to sit tight over the summer because I don't know what's going to happen. But I reckon come autumn, we might be out of this. So I'm going to put my holiday then. And if people are talking about sort of staycations this summer, then um, where are they going to be likely able to go? Because, I mean, you asked, I, I mentioned hotels before. I mean, would we even know, for example, if I could go to a hotel in Cornwall come August and book it for the second week of August? It's almost impossible to know that as well, isn't it? It absolutely is. And on top of that, what we've got is some of the holiday destinations. So the the organizations where where the people that run the hotels and the campsites and the shops come together and form an organization to try and attract tourists. 
that's going on in some areas. But at the same time, we've got local residents who live in those areas who are more unhappy. Now, there was a report. It, it's anecdotal again, but I heard about some news at a campsite or caravan site in Wales, mm. where which was being vandalised by some local people who didn't want the tourists turning up and spreading the disease. Now, you can read into that lots of different things. But it, it, it indicates the slight nervousness that's around. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to get back outside. I want to get back on holiday, same as everybody else. Mm. And at the moment, there is so much uncertainty. One interesting line that I read this morning in The Times was Greece have said that will allow holidaymakers from a limited number of British airports to enter without testing or quarantining from around June the 15th. Now, that's only 10 days from now. This is in stark contrast to what their tourism minister said uh, when he said he really didn't fancy having anyone from Britain coming because we were very high uh, in terms of our infection rates for COVID-19. And once again, that indicates how we've got different sources of information and it's so hard to know what's going on. So you're absolutely right. Uh, Greece did indicate that it would welcome tourists from lots of European countries, including the UK. But there was a caveat then. And that caveat was if infection rates in that country um, were significantly low or or uh, sufficiently low. Now, after that, we don't know what's going to happen. Are those countries going to um, look at our our figure and decide, OK, those guys can come in, those guys can't? We just don't know what's going to happen. It's case by case. Mm. And what do you make of this sort of idea of air bridges? We believe that uh, Pretty Patel is going to bring in the, the uh, quarantine system on Monday, uh, certainly for at least three weeks. They may then release it and they may let it go in July. But at the moment, it looks as though for the rest of June, um, if you go away out of the country anywhere, you're going to have to self-isolate for 14 days when you come back. That, that is certainly the regulation at the moment. If you go on holiday uh, and you come back into, into the country, you need to um, spend 14 days in isolation. Now, if this air bridge thing happens, and it's only a proposal at the moment, and I come back to my key point, all of us, we've got to watch the regulations and the advice day by day to see what's happening. If that comes in, And if it does uh, release us from that obligation to spend two weeks at home when we come back from our holiday in Portugal, then that might attract lots of people. But on top of that, we've still got to have a look at the government's own website. And this is very important. If people want to go to... uh... Oh, I think we may have just lost your line there, David. We'll try and get it back. We can still see you. Uh, but we can't hear you anymore. It sounded as though uh, it was one of those twelve eighteen things that used to happen to us when uh, we were in the old studio uh, and suddenly the line would just go dead. I was going to ask David about the Willie Walsh story. Uh, I think we got you back, David, have we? Yeah, and I can hear you now, but I can't see you. I'm not sure okay. what's going on with the connection. Hold right. on, please. Well, I guess if it's uh, if it's one of the two, we'd rather hear you than see you, because in uh, in that case, at least we can broadcast both on radio and TV. Uh, necess- oh, there we are. We got you back as well. Right, I've got a good face for radio. <laughs> now then. Haven't we all? Um, <laughs> where were we? I'm sorry about that. I was just asking you about the quarantine situation and, and, and you were just basically saying that if the air bridge system works better, then obviously that would be great, but it may not be put into place probably um, until July, I guess. That's right. And on top of that, what we have to look at, and this is the key information, is the government's own website, www.gov.uk at the moment they are saying 
all British citizens are advised against non-essential overseas travel. Yeah. Now, non-essential includes holidays. So everything we talk about has to be looked through that lens of our government's own advice to us about whether we should go abroad. And At the moment, talk of Portugal, Greece, whatever it may be, we have to consider that information. Because if we don't, that has implications for our travel insurance, for our own medical safety, and so on. And the key advice I'd give to everybody is really keep up to date on all the information and use reliable sources of information such as our government site whatever your own views might be of our government at the moment we've got to rely on that information uh, the nhs has advice on their websites for travel should we get back to normal or at least for have the reg regulations uh, lifted so please to everybody stay on top of that information and if i can give another website yeah. uh, for lonelyplanet.com there's lots of up-to-date, real-time information from holiday destinations around the world that they say are getting ready to welcome tourists back as and when. Great stuff. David, thank you very much indeed. David Ellis, writer at Lonely Planet there with some very sound advice, which is basically, don't book any holidays yet. Let's talk to Jill, uh, who's in West Sussex, wants to talk about BA, funnily enough, because we talked about this yesterday uh, and we raised the issue of BA being particularly nasty uh, in terms of the way that they're currently treating their employees. Jill, a very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Thanks. Thank you very, very much for your um, programme yesterday and highlighting shining a light on this colourful British Airways. Yes, well, I was um, lucky I enough worked. to be informed about it by a friend of mine who knows some people who work in BA, and so I thought it was time that we aired it, really. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I've worked for 32 years for this company, and I'm not ringing on behalf of myself. I'm ringing on behalf of all of us. Yeah. Um, you know, Walsh was due to retire. Willie Walsh was due to retire at the end of March with a package of 3.2 million. Now he's delayed that retirement to implement his own personal, um, I would know he said vendetta agenda. Right. Uh, he has tried over many years to slash our terms and conditions, slash our salaries. We've got a terrible history of industrial relations within British Airways. Mm. Uh, you know, it is British workers, British hard work, British loyalty, passion and commitment that has made British Airways what it is. And we've made that over many years, long before Willie Walsh was here. And I feel that we've been prostituted. Yeah. And the pimp is Willie Walsh. And his sidekick is Alex Cruz and the other uh, directors of IAG. We've yeah. just filled their wallets yes. over in uh, Madrid, Spain. And I would like to say... You know, British Airways have been used as a cash cow mm. for their benefit. And we are the engine that pulls the carriages. You know, you've got all the other uh, airlines within um, IAG, and they are just about to purchase, which Willie Walsh has commissioned, the um, purchase of Air Europa in amongst this cull and yeah. telling the, the world that we have no money, we can't afford to do this. We're, you know, we're draining, we're bleeding money. And for me, this is corporate positioning of IAG and Willie Walsh to take our slots, our customers, yeah. our reputation for the benefit of IAG Madrid. Well, I mean, they're, I ba like they're, they're, they're barely disguising it, really. I mean, it's quite shameful, I think, what, they're, what they're doing. Um, and they're practically sort of laughing in the faces of everyone like you, who has built this company up. And it's an absolutely shocking uh, disregard for, for not only humanity, but also just for the working practices of any decent company. Absolutely. There is no empathy or compassion or uh, understanding you yeah. know, during the pandemic, COVID-19. You know, the anxiety that you have with, with that already. I've lost colleagues 
who um, volunteer to do repatriation flights, which I have done also, I'm presently furloughed, have lost their lives to COVID-19 while doing flights. So key workers, the national company, firing key workers. And I would like to say, take back our flag, take back our slot, take back our workers and our brand, and to the 42,000 employees who are going to receive a letter on the 15th of June, firing them. I'd like to say, do not sign any new contract with Willie Walsh because yes. we are the airline. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. Now, he was, he's, I don't know if you know, he's been on uh, television this morning being interviewed and he has basically asked the unions to engage with the airline's management to ensure the future of British Airways, right? Now, this is a man who up to now, as far as I know, uh, has been refusing to talk to the unions. Absolutely. He put in a Section 188. He's the only company to have done so to, to fire... 42,000 and rehire 30,000 and slash the salaries by 60, 65% and change their terms and conditions. And we have built this airline on, we have grafted, we've missed funerals, we've missed birthdays, we've missed our children's Christmases mm. and New Year's. And we, we have done that to, because we are committed, we have that passion, we want to have a great brand. And, you know, bring it back home. We are British workers. Bring it back home. And please, to my fellow colleagues, do not sign any contract with Willie Walsh. We are the airline. And without us, he doesn't have an airline. And that's how I feel about it. And I'm really sad to say that after the length of time that I've been with this company, that this is where I find myself during this pandemic in this heightened time of anxiety. And I am worrying about how am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to buy food? And we've had that's on top of losing family and friends and colleagues. I've got colleagues that have died. They haven't even been acknowledged within the company that they've passed away. You know, that's appalling. It really is. Appalling. Jill, listen, I can hear the pain in your voice, and I'm I'm sorry uh, that you feel that way. But uh, thank you so much for for letting us know. We will do our utmost here at Talk Radio uh, to fight for you as well. We will do our utmost for you to save British Airways for not just the people that have given their their lives to work for it, but also for this country because it calls itself British Airways. And quite frankly, the way it's operating right now, it is not worthy of the name. Thank you very much, Jill, for your call. Uh, We will stand by you. We will do what we can, and we will. We'll try to hold Willie Walsh to account. We will do our level best to try and make sure that this does not happen in the way that they would like it to happen. Uh, and if you're a member of the British Airways working fraternity, please tell everyone to tune in to this radio show and to give us all the information that we need to help us to help you, because that's important. That's what we do here uh, at the Home of Common Sense. Uh, we are the voice of the people, and right now we're the voice of the people who work for British Airways. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, we were talking about the Countess of Wessex just a little while ago. She's been over in South Sudan uh, doing some very valued work um, as part of the royal family. And and as part of the royal family, uh, she's joined in with what a lot of them do, uh, which is, you know, charitable works, talking to people, helping people out, trying to raise um, awareness of certain things. Prince Charles has always been, I think, um, seen as a slightly batty character. um, But he's becoming, I think, actually more sensible in his old age. He's becoming actually uh, quite philosophical and quite thoughtful. He's given this very personal interview, uh, basically, uh, to a show on Sky News after the pandemic. 
uh, our new world. And he's talked about the difficulty of being in the midst of the pandemic. He, of course, had coronavirus himself, had to self-isolate up in Scotland um, uh, with uh, Camilla. And he said, you know, he really misses hugging his grandchildren. He really misses not seeing his father. And I think he speaks for a lot of people uh, who are all in that kind of situation. Let's talk to Joe Hemmings about it and find out why it is that we do need that sort of physical, um, you know, closeness, that physical intimacy. Joe, very good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Mike. I don't know about you, but I could do with a hug, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think we all could. It's one of those really basic, fundamental human needs that you almost don't notice yeah. how much it means to you until you can't do it. Right. Um, and, it, you know, it's something we've had since birth. You know, it, it, it's a, it is an actual need. It's not just something we're missing. We we need it for our physical well-being, our psychological well-being. It impacts a whole load of stuff, our dopamine levels, yeah. oxytocin that makes us feel good, you know, physically and psychologically. So, you know, they did studies. You know, you, do you remember the Romanian orphanages back in the yes. atrocities in the 90s? Mm. Uh, when they were left in orphanages, now those children without touch, they grew up with, you know, developmental difficulties. They weren't as tall. They weren't as, um, it wasn't just about nutrition, but they, they didn't get to be as big as they should. Right. And they also had some behavior difficulties. So touch and hugging, even in primates, you know, all primates, including us, um, is something that happens from birth. So the moment you can no longer feel it, in the moment you can no longer do it, mm. there is literally an ache. Uh, and, and it makes you feel very lonely. Yeah. So there is an actual physical um, reaction, if you like, from the hugging. You know, the, the, you talked about the oxytocin and the, and, the, and the other kind of, you know, brain nerve endings that get stimulated. But but it But it also feels like that, doesn't it? When you do hug somebody... Um, it really does, f you can feel it, or, you know, I don't know quite what you, you feel, feel it, but yeah. you do feel I mean, something. It, it's your nerve fibres firing up, uh, it's your brain reward system firing up, it does all good things to reduce cortisol, the stress horm hormone, gives you a sense of well-being, and also it conveys a lot of emotion, yeah. so much more than just sight or hearing, or even a bit of Zoom. Mm. You can feel love, joy, gratitude, you can give sympathy, all that is conveyed in a hug or yeah. can be conveyed in a hug. So it's just, it's got everything going for it and nothing not to like about it. Yes. And it makes a big hole in a lot of people's lives when they are not allowed to do it. Yeah. Similarly, of course, without wishing to cast a shadow on this conversation, there are those who sometimes, in the workplace specifically, will give a bit of an oh. unwanted hug. Indeed. <laughs> um, yes. We all know I mean, someone who does that. Of course. So that's exactly the thing. Because it's so important and conveys so much, if someone gets the moment, it's an ill-considered moment, yeah. um, you would recoil in much the same way as you'd be overjoyed if, yeah. it, if it was welcome. Right. Uh, so we have quite strong reactions. So what, you know, people are calling it skin hunger at the moment. It's really known as affection deprivation, uh, but skin hunger is fine. But it is literally that. Your skin is crying out. Yeah. It sounds a bit strange, though, I must say. Skin, skin hunger. hunger. Yeah. I'm not liking <laughs> it's that. It's an odd word. Yeah, it is a bit like weird. It. We'll call it affection deprivation. Yes, I think affection deprivation is better. Okay. Because, I mean, presumably, um, does it build up over time? So, say we've been going now for, what, three months, I suppose. Um, and I'm, you know, I may have the conversation actually with, 
with uh, my children's mother this weekend because she's always been quite cautious about stuff and you know she's like well what if you pick something up or what if they've picked something up and you know I might be vulnerable because we're no we you know we're, I'm in London they're they're in, in their in their home elsewhere and so you know we've been cautious but I mean you know there comes a point where you think well hang on a minute you know caution's all very well but maybe we could hug each other wearing masks or something you know maybe Indeed. it wouldn't be so difficult and that would make a difference and I think you know we do get used to it I mean I've got two sons one of whom I haven't seen and actually right now I don't think I could bear to see him unless it was physically. Yes. You know, I do talk to him on Zoom, but I would get quite distressed, I think, if he appeared at my front door and I couldn't. And you could, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would seem and weird. The other it? one I see quite regularly, I've sort of got used to the fact that I can't, but I'm still longing to. But you do get used to it. But yeah, I do think if you, you, know, if you can have sex with a mask on, which Harvard uh, University professors are now saying. Oh, really? Kind of okay. Yeah, long to wear a mask. Not for the um, first time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't specify what kind of mask. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I think, as you say, if you put some uh, latex gloves on and you put a mask, I mean, and they've got some covering on their skin, yeah. I think, you know, I don't want to flout government regulations, but I think the chances are really minimal. Well, to be honest, if, you if know, well, important to you. I'm not sure anybody knows what government regulations are anymore, to be honest. Well, I mean, after no. what happened on Wednesday, with thousands of people apparently marauding down Whitehall was fine, none of well, them seem to be told off. You know, yeah. I think, I think yeah. perhaps if anyone turns up on my doorstep to arrest me for hugging my son, I think I'll be giving them a, a stern talking to. And I think you look at stress levels. People who really need that hug yeah. because their stress levels are through the roof and you can be feel desperately lonely without one. I mean, really, I would say, you know, if you just take adequate protection, it, will, it makes people feel so much better so much more quickly. It's, it's like a miracle having a hug with someone you love. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and the thing is with Prince Charles, I mean, he obviously also has the added thing, as I do at the moment with my mother, who's elderly um, and she's in another country, uh, but he can't see his father who's 99. And, you know, no. you worry, don't you, that you may not see them again. Yeah, I mean, that's just a horrible feeling, and it's not a good place to dwell. Um, you know, you've got to have that hope that you will be able to. Um, of course, for everybody. I mean, yeah, it's just and those people who were dying, and, they, uh, you know, they couldn't, people couldn't go near their parents, right. you know, to just hold their hand for the last time or touch them. I mean, it's awful. It's just awful. It's one of the biggest losses for people during this lockdown yeah. it's the toughest toughest thing to yeah. have to what, what um, about the sort of hand holding is that is that a sort of substitute or a poor substitute for, for hugging if you've got some kind of contact it's it's all to do yeah i mean it's, it's generally skin on skin contact it's physical contact it's feeling you know the body warmth of somebody else it, it's a very expressive way of doing it i mean people have been over fussing their pets you know, in recent times, because yeah. they're so missing a cuddle and a stroke that, you know, these, I've heard of one dog that's running the other way every time his lead comes out, he used to run to the door, he right. now runs in the other direction because he's been taken out for walks and fussed <laughs> over so much, he's now rebelling. Right. Um, but you can also, I mean, it sounds weird, but you can, there are, for instance, very acute nerve endings um, in your upper arms, your neck, your back, your yeah. shoulders. They're quite a good place if you're really feeling like you need a, that touch to actually touch yourself there, right? Um, you can sort of replicate some of that. You can lower your cortisol. Uh, you can lower your heart rate just by giving yourself a soothing touch. I know it's no substitute for touching your family or hugging your family, but it is something you can do for yourself. Yeah. I've just remembered, actually, I have hugged the dog. Which was rather good, I have to say, because he's quite a big yeah, dog. No, so he's a Labrador. Uh, so he's sort of almost back. a small human size, you know. <laughs> 
I would try it with my cat. He's not quite so enthusiastic. Well, the cats but, are uh, famously not terribly sort of affectionate, though, are they? Well, you think they'd pick up. They're supposed to be a bit psychic. You think they'd pick up on the fact they're in the middle of a pandemic and stroking him is more important than ever, but he just starts away. You no, know? they just enjoy your discomfort and watch you from afar, I think. <laughs> That's the way they are. But, no, it's, it's a fascinating scenario, and I guess... As I mean, I take the view that as the kind of pandemic passes through and we keep being told now at the moment that uh, notwithstanding whatever happened this week and that doesn't cause a second wave, we do seem to be getting to a stage where uh, the infection rate is lower and lower. And I think it's at its lowest now since the beginning of March. Um, and there are some who believe that it's kind of thinned out to such an extent that it isn't really in London anymore. Yes, I agree. And there are others, of course, who are thinking this has become before the second wave storm. Um, So it's very difficult to to get with any degree of accuracy information we can rely on. What I do think people need to do is kind of take whatever regulations there are that change the direction of the wind and be responsible and be sensible about them Mm. and do what it, what is safest and healthiest but also for your mind as well as for your body yes um you know we've just got to use that common sense the government bestowed upon us once upon a time now seem to have withdrawn but i think that is where we've got to be right now in terms of um what we do and certainly those marches i'm afraid in london much as i 100 percent believe in what they're doing yeah. it's probably a very, very bad idea. Well, I believe in what they're doing until they start chucking stuff at the police, and then I stop believing in what they're doing, quite frankly. I just think any march for any reason is 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 something that is should be outlawed at the moment because it's just so dangerous in terms of a spread. But of this a, is the thing. I mean, it's all very well to say, and I didn't really mean to get onto this with you, but I will. Uh, you know, it's all very well to say, oh, but, you know, democracies allow marching. Yeah, but democracies also allow hugging, and we're not allowed to do that. Democracies also allow, you know, going on holiday, but we're not allowed to do that. So how on earth do you justify allowing well, a march? And um, COVID-19 is no respect for democracy. No, um, quite. So... Yeah, I feel like that too. We better not go on to that. Mike. No, all right then. All right. Well, I'll, I'll give you a hug when I see you, and um, <laughs> whenever, whenever that is, and uh, have a good uh, weekend as best as you can. Uh, Joe Hemmings there talking about hugging and how important it is, and how we really do need to hug each other because it is a basic human need. It's a basic human requirement, uh, and in order to be mentally healthy, you do need to hug people. You know, it's as simple as that. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is now time, of course, for our homeschooling segment because it's just after 12.30, just after the news. So gather your children around uh, the television. If you can, uh, watch this on YouTube because it's going to be well worth watching. Uh, If you can't do that, you're going to have to listen anyway uh, on, of course, your smart speaker on your your DAB radio. Uh, Possibly if you get it on your phone, you'll be able to watch it as well on YouTube. But we're going to talk now to Marvin Burglass, award-winning magician and entrepreneur, because he's going to teach us some magic tricks and so you know it's something that everybody really wants to know how to do you can impress your friends you can impress your family you don't have to be old to do it you don't have to be too young to do it everybody can do it marvin uh, a very good afternoon to you welcome thank you good afternoon mike great to be with you yeah great to see you now uh, we've never really tried doing magic on this show before apart from obviously the everyday magic that we sprinkle around on the uh, on the actual airwaves but uh, but tell us a bit about yourself tell us about your your sort of route to magic how you became a magician and and, and a very successful one at that thank you yes well I, i've actually come from a famous magical family uh, my father david who was a former president of the Magic Circle and the first guy on commercial TV to have his own 
um, TV series actually grew up in the 50s and 60s doing magic on the radio, which is oh, really? almost like sounding like mime on the radio. It sounds like you could do anything. But yeah, you know, audiences of 19 million and stuff. It was, a, it was amazing times. So uh, I was, I didn't follow in his footsteps exactly because he has a very unique way, but I built up a company called Marvin's Magic, which is now in its 32nd year. And we uh, designed Magic Made Easy, magic that hopefully anybody can do. And we're trying to inspire the next generation of magicians. And uh, so far we've been pretty successful because uh, we run the magic shops for some of the big stores like Hamleys and Harrods in London and Epio Schwartz in New York. And we normally have, obviously not at this moment, but we normally have demonstrators who are doing magic daily. They're showing different types of magic tricks to to people and inspiring them. And, and our products now are in 62 countries. So mm. there's a huge wave of magic. And what's really, really nice is that during lockdown, it, it's really evident that so many more people have got into it. Maybe it was an old hobby that they have rekindled or, or they just wanted to learn a new skill. But it's such a positive and wonderful hobby because it really does give kids confidence, social skills, all sorts of things like that, which will help them in presentational wise. Uh, it's the total opposite, if you like, of computer games because it's very interactive as well. Yes, it is, and it's something that people can learn how to do very easily because your your system is is is, is very straightforward. You're going to teach us a couple of card tricks uh, just now as we speak, um, but I can tell you that you know wherever you go with children, if there's a magician, they all want to watch the magician and they all want to try and work out how he's doing it, um, and it's a fascinating kind of way of entertaining people, and it's very personal as well, isn't it? Is. But, um, you know, we have a big thing of fellow magicians agree never to reveal the secrets. I can't exactly show you or teach you something on air, uh, but there's the way we would do it normally. I mean, if I, for especially those that uh, aren't watching, this must be quite dull, but I'm now doing some what's called uh, some dexterity with the sleight of hand, which, which is fans. And this, this noise now will be me uh, doing some The magic is normally based on many years of practice but uh, most people don't have the uh, inclination or time to really learn those types of things so we've developed uh, a range of tricks which is called magic made easy which hopefully gives kids confidence that they can do and i'll put the cards in this glass here we'll come back to them in a moment uh, later on in this uh, because what i need you to do um mike is to i don't know if you've got a mobile phone handy yes i have try yeah. If you can, and the listeners as well, if you can go to marvinsmagic.com, marvinsmagic.com, find that. Um, okay. And um, I'll try and find it on my phone as well. Uh, and when you get to it, um, you'll scroll down through all the different types of products that we do, mind-blowing magic and executive magic for older guys and stuff. And, and uh, there's a section called Hello Marvin. And uh, it's, it's actually, I'm just showing it to the screen for anybody watching it. And I press that. And you should see a picture of me and uh, some of my uh, information about it. If you just get that page up, Mike. Okay. Um, Hello, Marvin. Yeah. So I should press learn more. There we go. Meet Marvin Burglass. Yeah. Got it. And I will leave that page open for the moment. And we'll put it put it down for a second. We'll come back to that in a moment. Okay. okay. But I thought maybe I'd start off with doing something visual for those that are watching and maybe you can talk through for those that uh, can't see me. But um, this is some bits from our catalogue that we have here. Various sheets of paper, um, which I've cut up like this. Oh, yeah. Kids enjoy doing 
make it. These are very They're just basic pictures violent. of different things, right? I see a yeah. policeman, oh, a bit of a pattern over there. Yeah, five different bits of paper, yeah. That's the Marvin Magic character, yeah, and some of our various characters. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to now put them right close to camera here and turn them and watch very carefully because as I just literally go like this, they change that quickly into 20 panels. One, two, three, four, five, hey! 20 panels. <laughs> That's great. Listen, who needs the bank? Who needs to go to an ATM machine when you're around? You just turn paper into money. Fantastic. Well, that's pretty much what we're doing. And what's really great for kids, it really gives them sort of playground power so they can do a magic trick to their friends and family and really enjoy it. And this is quite interesting. People say, well, are they real notes? And, and let me show you. You know, there's three ways to tell a real bank note. Yeah. It's obviously the hologram. Works well, it looks real. It's the paper. Yeah. It's real. Of course, it's the paper. The way you can test it, actually, is if you get um, like this, a pen or something like this, and you can see how well it tears. Try and do it slowly, but yeah, there yeah, we go. It makes it a hole. Penetrates yeah. right and uh, that is actually illegal in most countries. You know that? That's illegal. Yeah. But watch this very illegal. But if you go like this, watch. That's impossible. And now there's no hole in that. It was a figment of your imagination. Almost, almost like going back in time. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that didn't get the sort of reaction perhaps I wanted to, but that's to see <laughs> your reaction. How about this one there? Watch very carefully. We're going to take, how many times can you fold a piece of paper like this in half? Uh -huh. Half and half again. That's two Find times. That number of times. Three times. Yeah, how many times? Four it's times. Actually, seven is the max. Seven. But you can right. fold anything. Okay. This 20 pound note, if I fold this blow and say Marvin's Magic and really put charge, watch. We're now changing it to a 50 pound note right in front of you. Wow. Like now it's a 50. This is great. So you've yeah. basically, you've made 100 quid in one fell swoop. You've now made another 30 quid, basically. out. So you've already made 130 quid. We've only been going five minutes. You know, this is fantastic. <laughs> so can you imagine, seriously, for kids to have You're definitely a good guy to go out to the pub with once they start opening them up. Absolutely. And kids, and in fact, everybody enjoys magic. Because if you see really good magic, close up it is it makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up it's it's not cgi it's it's real interactive magic and kids are really enjoying it and, and there's been a report to show that magic is ideal for children it, it helps them in their well-being it gives them a lot of confidence and uh, we found a, a huge uplift of, of sales during this time uh, through through the likes of amazon and through our website so uh, you know we're really delighted and, and and uh, some of the cream of the crop of British magic, you've obviously been inspired by some of the best magicians on, on TV and from Vegas and films. And, 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 and even though Britain's got talent, you see a fantastic crop of youngsters coming through. And, and magic, as I always say, is as diverse as music. In the same way you have hip hop and jazz and classical, you've got different styles of magician. And the, with Marvin's Magic, we give you the confidence that you can actually develop your own personality and skills uh, and if you like, it's magic made easy, which helps you with the problems. You know? Yes, absolutely right. Now, we haven't got a great deal more time, Marvin, so we've got a couple of other bits to get through. Um, yeah. Tell us what you're going to do with the with the website thing. Okay, so I want you to look at that picture, and uh, I want you to look into my eyes, not around the eyes, into the eyes, <laughs> and there's the pack of cards right here, yeah. which I'm holding up in this glass. 
invite you to literally mention a card, just any card. And please tell everyone we haven't set this up. No, we have if not. You can mention that card. So you want me to give you a card? Yeah. And the card. Yeah, on behalf of everybody, okay. look into the eyes and just mention a card now. Okay. Uh, to you, say I'm going to say it out loud. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to say King of Clubs. Right. And so basically, what I want you to do is to look into that uh, picture and look into this pack of cards, which is in the glass, which yeah. has been here the whole time. I'm going to take the glass of the cards. And, and you'll see that we've basically one card and one card only, which is reversed. And that card out of all of them is the king of clubs. Wow. Very good. <laughs> See, that is amazing. And I'll tell you what. Amazing. It is. This is virtual magic over the earth. But now, if you look at that page I showed you on there, yeah. which is on marvinsmagic.com, hello Marvin. If you have a look and scroll down a bit further, Mike, we didn't set anything up before. You've got have the king look, of clubs. another picture of me. There's a picture of you with the I king of clubs coming out of your top pocket. Very good. Exactly. That is, we're getting a round of applause in the studio here. I tell you, you know, you might not be, you might not think I'm impressed, but you know, I don't, I'm not easily impressed, but I'm very impressed. That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, what have you got as a sort of a final trick for us? Final trick is one of our most popular tricks that the kids are doing at the moment, which is this light from anywhere. And it's a great way of literally plucking a light out. This is one of our more popular things because they can, they can look around, take a light out of the sky, and then feed it through their ears out the other side, sniff it, take it away, and you can do all sorts of things and make this jump around. So imagine going up to a lift or something like that, pressing the button, taking the light, putting it back. Mike, I'm going to throw it to you virtually. Uh, we're going to see if this works now. I'm going to throw you this light, and one, two, three, boom. And hopefully it's reached you in the studio, Mike. And I'm going to catch there. it right right here, right now. Here it is. I've got it here. There oh, it is. I've, got, I've managed to catch it. Now can, I, now, can I put this in my... I can't really put it in my ear because, unfortunately, I've got a... Um, but I can maybe put it in my mouth. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And, and then I'll take it back out and, again. Uh, maybe take it out. Now, we should sterilise this first, but then throw it through the airwaves and see if we can travel all the way there it back is. here. Shall I try action. and throw it back to you now? Yeah, thank you. Go ahead. Whoa. Fantastic. And there we go. <laughs> so, there we go. That's got to be the greatest now, trick Mike, ever. Have a bit of fun with that's got to be the greatest trick ever prepared on uh, on a radio show, I think, on a TV radio show. That's brilliant. <laughs> To be very fair, Mike, that was prepared. We showed you yesterday how easy Marvin's magic can be. But the trick I did before with prediction, please make sure that everybody knows that there was no setup whatsoever. It was a matter of influence. And of absolutely magic. not. No, I can absolutely attest to that. And and what we will do as well, uh, Marvin, is we'll put your um, we'll put your website out. We'll put that video out as well. Thank you so much for teaching us that. The kids are going to love it, I'm sure, and they're all going to want to learn it, uh, and they're going to find out how to be magicians in their own home. And it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards.
It's a wonderful thing. It's the Perrier Awards. As I look out onto the lavish and beautiful skyline of London, where I can see the Tower of London, Tower Bridge, St Paul's, uh, there's a bit of a glimmer of sky coming through, some blue sky finally breaking through, and a bit of sunshine. Uh, so the sun shines always on the just. And here she is, Marta Malagon, uh, very much one of the just. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome. I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to follow what just happened before the break. Well, listen, it's all magic on this show, so <laughs> well, uh, all magic all the time, as we used to say. Very well done. We yes. were uh, very, very impressed. Thank you. So thank thank you. you so much for I'm that. I'm glad it went well. Yes, so so was I. Yeah, of course um, I can't reveal I had, how we um, did it. No, exactly, and I had no idea about what was going to happen. No, you weren't allowed which, access. Which uh, for a producer is obviously a little bit uh, anxious. Nerve-wracking, yes. Because I was like, oh my God. But mm. it went really well. So good. well done. Thank you. Congratulations, everyone. And yes. good afternoon, everyone. And good afternoon. And welcome to the Peru Awards. This Thank is you. where we look back over the past week of the so-called, so-called. Independent Republic mm. of My Grandma mm. Talk Radio and choose my favourite moment. Yes. I'm just going with that now. I think you should. Because it is what it is. It is. Uh, as it's tradition, Mike, the first pair goes to you Marvelous. and you win it for the wrong word of the week. Dr. Nicola Tallis, historian, author of Crown of Blood. I think you should buy it uh, as a Christmas filling. Christmas filling? <laughs> I meant stocking filler, which I, know I think you did. I corrected it in you the You did, end. but because uh, don't let the truth get in the way of a pair no, reward, of I did Thank not <laughs> include it. You right, know. fake news. Uh, but listen, don't worry, Mike, because you're not the only talk radio presenter who occasionally gets things slightly wrong. Mm. Uh, Business Breakfast presenter James Max has won a perrier for the wrong name of the week. Right, should we go to your calls? Let's go to Phil. Uh, Phil, good morning. Hello. Hi, Phil. Uh, what would you like to tell me? Where are you calling from? <laughs> Go on, Hello, Phil. Phil. You're on Hello? the line. Oh, my name's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. Yes. There's nothing like Phil. There's nothing like Phil. Mind you, that might not have been his fault. It could no. have been the producer's fault. Well, exactly, and mm. I blame it on producer Phil. There we go. So, Phil. You know, yeah, so, you Town. know, it's, it's, Isn't that it's funny? easily, it's yeah, easily, easily done. mistake to Excellent. be made. Uh, personal finance specialist Georgie Frost uh, yes. joins us once a week to tell us about money-saving tips mm. and also to answer finance questions, for finance questions from our <laughs> listeners. It would be great if I learned how to speak, wouldn't yes. it? Uh, yesterday, she prompted the sort of, kind of, pretty much almost apology of the week. I would also like to point out, Mike, I liked what you said earlier about if Georgie can't answer it, we'll find someone who can. <laughs> Do you know, I didn't mean, I knew, I, knew, I, knew as I, was, I knew as I was saying it that it might come out wrong, but what I meant to say was that you are one uh, of, of a great many teams of people here who try to get answers for people if, if we can, either from government ministers uh, or from, you know, business people or from people like yourself, great crusaders of consumer journalism. Exactly right. That's um, much better put. Is that, is that, much, is that have I recovered? <laughs> just about, just Thank about. You. I'm not sure she was convinced by that. No, I don't think she was at all. I may have blotted my copybook forever. Well, oh, well, only time will tell. What can you do? I think. And um, speaking of things that are almost other things, but not really. Yes. Call it Paul in Oxford wins a pair award for the not the euphemism of the week. Um, I read a, uh, an article last night in the Evening Standard um, that I thought was quite interesting. Mm. It was regarding um, what's euphemistically been called the government's sex ban. Right. <laughs> it's not very euphemistic, that really is. It's pretty much straight, <laughs> straight down route one, really. Correct. <laughs> yes, I think he has to look up what euphemism is. Yes, bless him. Yeah. You know. Okay. But uh, well done. 
good effort, everyone. Yes, thank you. And uh, now, according to a popular saying, um, every day is a school day. Mm. And I certainly do learn uh, new words in English every day. Yes. Sometimes I even learn how to say them. Ah, yes. Not today. Today's not that day. No. But, you know, maybe. I'll try again tomorrow. Try again. <laughs> Call it Peter Kent uh, has also learned something new this week, and he wins a pair for the homeschooling moment of the week. They might not happen. It's just uh, what concerns me is, is the... Because I think they call it a meme, and I had to look it up because I didn't know what a meme was. Right. So apparently a meme is saying, well, you just keep repeating it until it goes to, till everyone believes it. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, I, I just thought it was something to look at on, on, uh, on Twitter that was quite vaguely amusing. I didn't know you had to believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. I'm just saying um, I had to look it up. I didn't know what it meant. No, OK. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to look it up. To be fair, it is a hard one, right. memes. I don't know where he looked it up, because wherever he looked it up, he should get rid of that book, because it doesn't give the right reasoning for what a meme is. Well, I guess it won't be in a book yet, will it? Because it's a fairly recent thing, a meme. I would imagine it's in the new uh, Urban Dictionary or something, isn't it? Is that in a book? Do, do, do we still have, like, proper dictionaries, I've like, in t- I've got two proper dictionaries at home. From, like... Recent. Well, no, times. they're probably a few years old, but you know, yeah. I think you can still buy them if you yeah. wish. If you could find a bookshop that was open. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> Maybe you can get them. Look on it up. A, yeah, <laughs> look it up. <laughs> Online shop. I remember they used to have these like huge. I've got huge Oxford English dictionaries yes. too, you know, which cover half the alphabet each. Yes. So I've, I've got one, um, which is like, I think it's the Oxford one, but it's like English to Spanish, Spanish oh, yes. to English. Right. I got it as a Christmas present. I bet once. you never use it. No. No. no There's no point. Because really, no. you never look up one word, do you? No, exactly. No. You really? never do. And also then uh, internet. I've got some German, um, uh, what can only be described as uh, sort of dumplings. But I've got them in a packet. What do you I mean dumplings? From. Well, d- like, d- like... dumplings for eating, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know. But, um, what did you think I meant? But I don't know what we But I bought them in a German shop, right? And all yeah. the instructions, you have to make them somehow um, from this packet, right? But yes. all the instructions are in German. Oh, dear. So, you know, I either have to translate all of it mm-hmm. uh, or type it all into Google Translate yeah. or something. I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm ever going to make them now. Right. Funnily enough, that happened to me once yeah. with Oreo cupcakes. Yes. This was in Spain. So you buy the, the like the baking kit thing. Yes. But it was all in German. Right. So it was like, was Bachen? I have no idea. They're from America. Um, mm. I don't know what to say. Okay. Uh, but yeah, basically what I did is I put it all on Google Translate. Right. And then, um, all, well, obviously this doesn't apply to you. But for, for anyone who's a native Spanish speaker, right. I recommend to translate English, uh, sorry, um, German into English, not into Spanish. Okay. Because it's more understandable. Okay. All right. Anyway. Well, that's what I would do anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, shall we move on? Yes. Okay. Another one for you. On Monday, you won a pair for telling us the highlight of your weekend. Yes. I went to my first uh, fast food joint on uh, Saturday, Burger King. Yes. I didn't have to wait very long. I got in the car. I gave them the money. I ordered three uh, bacon double cheeseburgers and chips, a couple of Cokes, and a, a bottle of water for myself. Took it to my children. Uh, they were very happy. Not as happy as I thought they'd be, to be honest. But there we are. <laughs> Possibly one of the worst anecdotes ever. Well, listen. It's <laughs> not even a punchy ending. No. The actual real story is, when yeah. I arrived uh, in Sussex, right, mm-hmm. I had a massive tantrum because I'd come out of the car and yeah. nobody was there. I know. And they weren't there. Well, so they? they were just in their rooms. They didn't bother. Didn't hear the car coming. Didn't arrive. You know, this was after all the trouble I'd gone through. Plus, I had all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. And not one person was there to help me out of the car. Well, listen. So I ended up shouting at them while giving them the Burger King uh, that I brought. Well, so that's it kind great. Of defeated the object, really. Oh, dear. 
Um, well, yeah. Oh, gosh, I need to move on. Off to Afternoons with Ian Collins. Yeah. Thank you so much to former winner of the Perry Award for Sneeze of the Week, Ricky Freelove, for yes. flagging this one up. Call her Martin in Tottenham wins an award for the Disciplinarian of the Week. Coming from a working class background where you've worked your way up into a position, but then a black person who's lived the exact same life as you can say, oh, yeah, but my life is harder because I'm black. Shush! <laughs> Shush. That's that's his children at home schooling. I love that. Yeah, it's very good. Um, another one for you, Mike. Congratulations for winning the Perry for Noise of the Week. The numbers yesterday in the US are really quite impressive. They're mm. gradually stepping up the number of flights. That's not me. That was you. No, it wasn't. That was you. No, it was not. But you looked at me. Well, I looked at you because I could hear an alarm going off. Yeah. But it wasn't me. I think it was him. Well, do you remember in that case? Do you remember <laughs> who was it? It was Bob Stewart, wasn't it? When the phone was ringing and yes. we said. <laughs> Is your phone ringing? He went, no, no. it's not my phone. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't mine. Well, my apologies then. Uh, the, that I take should this... go to Simon Calder. Yes, yeah, so I take this one from you and I give it to Simon Calder. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a late entry from this morning. Here's this week's James Larvin Perrot Award for Technical Problems. Excellent. We've still got to have a look at the government's own website. And this is very important. If people want to go to... Uh... <laughs> Goodbye then. Twelve <laughs> eighteen. Oh, I think we may have just lost your line there, David. We'll try and get it back. We can still see you, uh, but we can't hear you anymore. It sounded yeah. as though uh, it was one of those twelve eighteen things right. that used to happen to us when uh, we were in the old studio, uh, and suddenly the line would just go dead. I was going to ask David about the Willie Walsh story. Uh, I think we got you back, David. Have we? No. Yeah, and I can hear you now, but I can't see you. I'm not sure okay. what's going on with the connection. Hold <laughs> on, please. <laughs> Almost there. Uh, this is multimedia platforming. This uh, as we as we do it live. Listen, we're slowly getting there. Listen, as long as we can see you and or hear you, yes. there's something, isn't it? Yeah, it's something out yeah. of it. Um, and finally, it's almost the end of Paris, almost the end of the show, and also the end of an era. Yeah. Some people have left their jobs. Some people are getting new jobs, mm. and some people are going back to old jobs after having poured petrol and set all the fire uh, on fire all the bridges in Northern Europe. Anything is possible in 2020. And uh, including uh, former talk radio presenter, soon-to-be Times Radio, hopefully Giles Corrin. The thing is, he made a huge mistake during his last talk radio show on Sunday. I'm not going to give him a parry because no. he does not deserve it. Good. I'm going to give it to you. Ah. And here's a parry for the takedown of the week. Have a listen to this. Giles Corrin, uh, Times columnist, um, raconteur, author, um, man who says he's a good friend of mine, um, said this last night on his radio show. Justin, but they don't put my social media clips up because on talk radio, my social media clips don't really cut it. Unless I said, it's an absolute outrage. I can't believe it. My dad, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, they fought wars so I wouldn't have to eat rubbish like that. And now the EU come round here and they tell us what we're going to do. I am not going to stand it. They're all planks. They are planks. I've got a list here of planks. 800 planks. You start one Lineker. Lefty Ponzi is two Two, that Julia Artley Brewer, she's a centrist. You know, that kind of... That By the way, you, that, that was a viral clip. Oh, good. And Mike Graham is a, is a good mate of mine. Uh, but that, that's how you get... You do not get on the social media playouts from, from talk radio by chatting to liberal-minded people about cultural things. Do you know, that was Giles Corrin, who speaks very posh, and because he speaks so posh, he believes that he's better than everybody else. But, of course, he's not actually better than everybody else. But what he does have uh, are two houses. And he did say, just before uh, the lockdown happened, he couldn't decide which one of the two houses he should self-isolate in because he's so well-off and so clever um, that he couldn't decide what to do. But, unfortunately for him, there's a reason why his clips don't go viral. It's not because he doesn't say things in a cockney accent like i don't it's because they're not very funny giles i'm sorry 
We'll see you on Times Radio in a couple of weeks and we look forward to listening to more of your non-viral clips. Ouch. Well, what can you say? Uh, we're out of time, unfortunately, but thank time. you, Martha, thank very you. much for another wonderful uh, exhibition of the Perrier Awards. We'll be back on Monday uh, at 10 o'clock. Have a great weekend. Ian Collins coming next. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.